Listen, we are privileged. We've been privileged the last couple of weeks to have visitors in, and we're privileged again today to have Noel Kenny. Noel is the pastor of Liberty Community Church in RD Street, Clondalk, and Ambray. Um, we've known each other since probably 1990, yeah. thereabouts. And we got saved almost around the same time, a couple of months in between Noel and Sharon and Anne and me getting saved. And, um, and we've been friends since then, yeah. yeah. And we've had our ups and downs as well. I've really pissed him off sometimes, and he's really pissed me off. But that's okay. That's what friends do, that's isn't what it? friends are for. Yeah. Keep smiling. Um, keep smiling, keep yeah. shining. But no. I know that one thing I can tell you for definite, when Noel brings a word, he brings a word from God. So what you're going to hear, he's been praying into, he's been studying for, and he's ready for it. So um, just put on your seatbelts, because we're going to be rocked. Amen. 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 We're on now, aren't we? No, 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 no. God is so good, isn't he? I like having a pulpit that I can actually see over. <laughs> usually when you go to places to speak, they're usually for, like for tall guys and they're tall women. And so anyway, this is brilliant. It's great to be here. God is good, you know that? And he's good all the time. That is the reality of no circumstances will change, situations, we may have successes, we may have failures, but he remains the same. We can't change God. Isn't that the most amazing thing? We cannot change his nature and his character. And there's a big fancy word in theology, and the word is immutable, meaning unchangeable. God is unchangeable. Whatever he is, he's that all the time. God is good. He's that all the time. Circumstances change, we change, for the good or the bad, whatever. But he doesn't change. He remains faithful and true right to the end. And uh, I'm privileged to be here, Brian. Thanks very much for the invitation. And I had one week off from being in church. Uh, and Brian says, would you fancy coming to speak? And uh, I was like, no, 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 no. This way I gave you that 12, uh, the, this date in there. And then this evening I got asked to speak out in a church in Bray. So I'm like, fancy that, like a nice day off. And uh, no, but look at this world I love doing. This is, Jesus said when, he came, when the disciples came back, when he was talking to the woman at the well, John chapter 4. He's been eating there and they came back and he says, he, he must be hungry. And Jesus says, I've eaten a food you don't know, Aunt Nabil. He was doing the will of the Father. And when we're in our zone of what God has called us to do. It's good. It's energizing. It's more than anything. But um, so, like, it's crazy. I just love the worship. Well done, worship team. Well done, two girls and the two guys on the, on the guitar. Great voices, by the way. My goodness. And um, I love to worship. That's where I am above everything else as a worshiper of God. Jesus says, my father is looking for worshipers. And, uh, and that's where I am and that's what I love to do. And uh, So I, the word that I have for us this morning, um, I'm going to try... It's been what God has been putting on my heart. I went, wanted to go and hear a man speak called Ed Silvolso. Um, he wrote a book called The Ecclesia. And he was, he was doing some um, talks on it in Dublin. And I wanted to go and, um, and hear him. And, but I'd already signed up to um, a kids week out in Bray, in our church in Bray, to drive the van for the week. And um, so anyway... The kids will know because you stay what you're committed to, don't you? And I never, but it's a bit resentful. I woke up one the Monday morning and knew he was going to be on. I was like, oh Lord, I really wanted to go and hear what Ed also had to say about the Ecclesia. And I'll share what that is in a minute. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me because God still speaks. It's like, it wasn't words. When God speaks, it's louder than words. And uh, it was like in my heart and in my mind, it was like, well, you have a Bible. You study what the Ecclesia is. Darn, why didn't I think of that, you know? And uh, so anyway, I spent some time that week in, in between the kids' camp, and, and I, I started to study the Ecclesia, and I've been amazed. 
and, uh, and I've been blown away. And, uh, and so, I don't know, if I was a book writer, which one day I'd like to be, I'd write a book on the Ecclesia. Not because I've studied, like, Ed Zavozo's book, because I haven't even read, I don't even know what he's talking about in the book. Because when you're studying something from God, it's, it's good just to get into what God is saying in the Word. And yet, like, you know, Google what you need when you can't understand a word, you know. And in Google, we trust, don't we? And um, so anyway, um, you know, like, there's, there's words. So here's, here's why I'm saying this, because the Bible teaches us that you're the ecclesia. I'll tell you what that is in, in a moment. It's, um, in, the scripture's going to come up on the wall um, in a moment. And uh, you hear in the Bible the word church is mentioned a lot. In fact, it's in the New Testament, it's mentioned 115 or 116 times. And the church is, is the people. And the Greek word is ecclesia. So when you read in the Bible to the church at Corinth, you will read in its original to the ecclesia of, of Corinth, to the ecclesia of, of, um, of Ephesus or whatever. And Jesus said in, in Matthew sixteen eighteen, I will build my church. And so he's saying, I will build my ecclesia, and even the gates of hell will not prevail against the ecclesia. And then he goes on to say that I have, I, I will, let me, and I'll tell you, Peter. Listen to what he says to the ecclesia. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind will be bound, whatever you loosen will be loosened. So to the Ecclesia, he gives keys. To the Ecclesia, there's all types of benefits from being part of the church. Now, sometimes during history, church history, this gets mixed up. This is something that like, that man now puts his hand on, and the words were changed. Even translators of the Bible from the Greek to it in English language changed the words. Would you believe it? They broke some of their own rules to sue political and religious agendas along the way. So they used the words, so here's what Ecclesia means. Those who are called out. So it's not even a religious word, it's written in Greek, so say we were going to form a government, you're called out to form a government, or a committee, you were called out to, to be part of the committee. So the Bible uses the same word that we are called out, we're called out of darkness. We're called out of sin. We're called out of brokenness to be healed. We're called out into His glorious light. So God calls us. Where were you when God called you? When He found you in your hiding place, in your brokenness, where it's like, what do I need to do? Where is God? Where is life? I know that's where I was, and God came in, and He called me out of that place of hopelessness, and He called me into love, and life, and light, and enthusiasm, and passion for living, where I had none of that at all. So the Bible calls, Jesus says, I'm going to build my called out ones. I'm going to build my church. Now what they done in the, in, the orig- in, the, in the original language, they changed it for a word, it's an old Scottish word, it's a Latin word, and then ended up as an old Scottish word. That's where we get the word church. Now here's what they done. They changed it from being called out once, people, to being called to something. A building. So here's the way of change. That the people belonging to the Lord to things pertaining to God. Meaning things belonging to God. King James, who wrote the King, who commissioned the King James Bible to be written. He wouldn't allow the word Ecclesia to be put in there. Because he wanted jurisdiction over the people. He knew he couldn't get it over the people. So he put the word in things pertaining to the Lord. Meaning the buildings now became the church. So what did we say this morning? We're going to church. No, we're going to be with the church. In our country, what do we do when we go by a church building? 
We bless ourselves because we've been conditioned to say that this is the church. But you are the church. We are the church. Listen to the way the Apostle Peter says that we are living stones being built up into a holy temple that God comes and dwells in. So it's like, turn around and say to someone, you're the church. Now there's things, because you're the church, Jesus says, I will build this church. And even hell won't prevail against it. Can I ask you, because I'm 29 years walking with Jesus, has hell ever come against you? Put your hand up. It didn't prevail, did it? You thought it was going to prevail. You thought you were going to go under. You thought this is the end. You thought, man, there's no way out of this. And Jesus comes in because he said, even hell itself won't prevail against the ecclesia. Now, how would you become part of the ecclesia? Not everybody is part of the ecclesia. Everyone that goes to church in the world is not just part of the ecclesia because they go to a church. No more than going to McDonald's will make me a Big Mac. Going to church won't make you a Christian or part of the ecclesia. How would you become part of the ecclesia? You believe that Jesus Christ came and lived as a man. He walked his earth sinless, perfect, died on the cross for your sin and my sin. He took the payment for our sin. We believe he done that. We put our trust in his sacrifice. One sacrifice for all man, all one, all, all, all what? Once and for all. No other one. That he rose again, that he seated at the right hand of the Father, and he sent the Holy Spirit onto the church, and I go, Lord, I believe that. I become part of the ecclesia. He goes, no, hell itself won't prevail against you. Didn't say hell won't come against you. I said it won't be victorious over you. It will try to rob you. It will try to steal things from you. But it will never overcome you. And I know what hell is like. I know what hell is like coming against you. And you know what hell is like. But Jesus says, not only will I build my church, but I will give you keys to the kingdom. He gives that to the ecclesia. He gives that to you and me. He goes, how would you get into, into peace? I'm going to give you the keys into peace. I'm going to give you the keys into freedom. I'm going to show you how to walk in this. They're given to you and me. Now, if we don't know, I bet you have a bunch of keys on you, yeah? If you don't know, do you ever have keys and you go, what's that one off? Yeah, you know, I bet you there's a couple, you know. Keys are important because keys gives you access into things. That's what it does. And if I, if I had my, which I have my keys on me, there you go, Noli. Like, that's the keys of my car. Very important key. And that's the key to my home. Very important. That's the key to my office. And I haven't got a clue what them other three are off. Oh, actually, two is off the church. And then there's one I don't know what's off. Now, if I don't use them, I'm not going to have access to drive it home. I'm not going to have access to, to go into my home. Keys are ac- things that give you access. Not only that, they're authority. So I remember being in Belarus. And every who had the keys, the clues. That right, Sergei? The, the director had the keys. Why? Because the director has authority to open the door to let you in and to give you um, access to what's inside the door. Or he has or she has the ability to lock the door that you don't get it. Keys are very important. Now, if I give you keys, I'm also giving you the authority to drive my car home. And you can go into my house and you can eat my lovely chocolate cranberry cookies that I have. <laughs> Why? And you can walk into my house. What are you doing here? Noel gave me the keys. He said, I could go in. Jesus says, I'm giving you the keys. I'm giving you the authority to access the things of the kingdom of God. And that's what he gives us. And they're available. And they're all over the Bible. And if we had to go into them, I've been teaching this for six weeks in our church. If we had to go into them all, we'd be here to the least point the one. And then, so it's like, it, it, it's there. But here's the thing. God gives us the Bible. We have a Bible. Why? Because he wants you. He doesn't say, the pastor will tell you where the keys are. He says, I'll give the keys to you. Why? Because you're the ecclesia. 
See, we, we built up some type of things. And this is what King James and, and the political agenda done. He now made the things of God the, the, the holy things instead of the people. So he put in order, like of structure. He put in rules to be part of the church, the ecclesia. That if you're not don't do this a certain way, if you don't read this certain Bible, if you don't come under these certain authoritative figures, you're not part of the church. That's what we've been conditioned to. But Jesus says, oh, you're the church. I've given you the keys. You're the one with the authority. Now, whether we use them or not is another thing. That's this. We could have the keys, but if I don't use my key to get in, I can look at my car, sing around my car, pray over my car, but unless I get that key and put it in that car, that car ain't going nowhere. And it's the same for us. And if we're just waiting on one little man or one little woman at the top of a church to give us all the keys, we're losing them. You're so much bigger than that as the church. He has so much more for us as the church. And he goes, there's my word. There's the access. You read that, there's peace, there's joy, there's hope, there's freedom, there's reconciliation. Man, do do, do, do you know what it feels like? Don't you know what it feels like when you realize all your sins are forgiven? It's like they're never going to be held against you. The things that we're ashamed of, things that we don't talk about, tell people. God says, I forgive that. Wow. Where do you find this out in the Word? And he calls us out, not just calls us out from something, from darkness, from hopelessness, from sin, from lifelessness. He calls us to something. See, why not just, I got saved the 22nd of March, 1989, Tuesday evening, 9.40 in the National Stadium. That's, that's, that's my recollection of when I became a believer. And I was so happy that my sins were forgiven. I never went to church before that. I was 22 years of age. I, was, I felt like I was 180 years of age. I'd carried that much weight on my back. I, I, I'd never heard the gospel before. I, I'd seen it in their culture, but I'd never experienced it. I heard it in its purity. heard it that night. Gave my life to Jesus. And I knew, I said to Sharon, my wife, I said, if I die right now, I'm going to go to heaven. But I didn't know that before that. I didn't know that. That man said that was preaching that if you believe in Jesus, they died and rose again for your sins, your access into heaven. I put my trust in Jesus, and I walked out there. Now, I could celebrate that for the last 29 years, which I have. When I hear songs like that, you know, you unraveled me with a melody. Man, that's 29 years later, that still gets me. That I've been born again into his family, that still gets me. That he rose again, that still gets me. It still rocks me to the core that I'm loved by God. But if I could celebrate that forever, but God just, just calls us, salvation is important. But we're not, just, we're not just called out of something, we're called to something. There's so much more for you. God has so much more. Don't buy into it. I'm looking around here, I'm in my 50s and a few people that is older. You know what the world says, retire. There's no retirement in the kingdom. You know what the world is saying, go out there and collect stamps or something. You are born again for something bigger than that. There's something, you think God, people, you are God's dream team. People all over the world in, the, in their churches that, you know, people have to serve and thanks for serving. Thanks for doing the media. Thanks for opening the door. Thank you for the welcome. People have to. It's just part of it. Isn't it? It's like just part. But that's not God's dream team. And don't be ever suckered into that muck. Don't be ever suckered into that. God, think, we think Jesus died on the cross for us to sit in the church building. He didn't. He's dreams and passions that he wants to place in you. And he calls us from darkness to his light. Listen, a Exodus 8 verse 1, God says to Moses, here's another ecclesia. He says to Moses, go into that Pharaoh and you tell him to let my ecclesia go. So Moses goes into Pharaoh, you can read it yourself. 
and you've maybe even seen it in the movies. God says, I've enough of Pharaoh having dominion over my people. I've enough of them being oppressed. I've enough of them being put down. I've enough of them not having a voice. Moses, go in and tell them. And he goes in, he says to Pharaoh, you let my people go. Because the ecclesia also became part of who Moses was. They were God's people, but now they are his people. And God is still looking for Moses that will walk around the streets of Dublin and go, you let my people go because there is a Pharaoh that has people in bondage still. Just listen to the news. Just walk down your avenue. Just walk down your streets. And God is like, I'm calling my ecclesia out. He called Moses out. He got Moses out of Egypt. And when he got him out of Egypt and he experienced God, what did he do? He sent him back into Egypt. That we get called out of darkness, we get called to God, and then God says, no, I want you to go back in and tell those who are broken where to find healing. And sometimes we don't even have to say anything, because you're the light of the world. And he goes into Pharaoh and says, you let my people go, so that we can go out to the wilderness to worship God. And eventually Pharaoh relents and has to let them out. They weren't called just out of Egypt, they were called to worship God. Because the ecclesia belongs to God. It don't belong to a pastor or a denomination or a movement. That's a lot of secondary stuff. We belong to God. He didn't say, I'm going to call them out and we're going to build a movement. Call, I'm calling them out of Egypt to worship me. And he brings them into the desert of all places, the most barren places. He calls the ecclesia out into the most driest places. Do you know why he calls us into the desert? Because he beautifies the desert with the ecclesia. He beautifies the barren places with the bride of Christ. He brings us into the darkest, dingiest places so that we can lift their voice in worship to him and the place becomes like heaven on earth. That's what he does when we walk anywhere that we carry an atmosphere of heaven on earth and he brings them into that desert place. And do you know what he gives them stuff to do? He gives them songs to sing. Do you ever look at the Bible through these eyes the next time you're reading it, right? It's a musical. The Bible is a musical. They're singing everywhere in the Bible. At the beginning, in the middle, at the end. It's like everywhere you hear in the Psalms, the, 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 the encouragement from the, from the choir master, sing a new song to the Lord. Sing songs of deliverance, songs of the I'm like, Oh my goodness, every time something happens, they break out in songs. Do you know Jesus sang? You know the Bible tells us Jesus sang? After the, after the, the Last Supper, it says they went down into the, into the, the garden. And they were singing the songs of the saints. There's a section in the Psalms, I think it's 114 to 118. And they're called the Hallelujah Songs. And it says, Jesus went down into the garden, going to face death, going to face tears, or drops of, like drops of bloody sweat. Going into a garden that was going to say, Father, is any other way out of this? It says he went down singing. Don't you wonder what Jesus sang like? Did he sing a bit like Johnny Cash? Or, you know, like you go, Jesus sang! He was singing his songs. Them psalms sing, say stuff like this. This is the day the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Jesus was going down singing into his death. Do you know what he was saying? Nobody's going to create the atmosphere around my life. Only me and my father. That's how we become bulletproof. We become singers, worshippers of God. We're going into face the hardest thing. And we're singing, this is the day that the Lord has made. Do you know what the enemy does? Pulls his hair out. I can't get at him. I can't get at her. Every time I talk him, he sings, he makes a song and a dance about it. I'm like, come on. So he calls them out of Egypt. What does he call them to do? He brings them into the desert to sing songs. 
Singing about, do you remember we used to be in Egypt? Do you remember we used to be in bondage? He broke the chains. He broke the bondage of Pharaoh. And now we're singing the songs. And how do you know this? He brings him out and he gives Moses all these festivals to start in the desert. He gives them a festival. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, two quick, quick, quick things in the festival. What am I saying? The Ecclesia is a singing church. Paul and Silas in prison. Remember, they got beaten, whipped, thrown into the deepest, darkest dungeon. Brios battered, put in locks and chains. They start singing. They used the chains to start. I just saw this was a good rapper or something. <laughs> How would you make a song and a dance after getting battered and thrown into prison? Because the ecclesia know who their God is. I don't care where I'm at, you're still worthy of my prayers. The enemy's like, what do I have to do with this? I beat them up, I throw them into prison, I set them on fire, everything, and they're singing songs on the way. He calls them out of Egypt, there you go, hello. I feel like, oh baby, baby, what? There you go. It's always good for the old ego, this, you know. Keeps me looking cool. He calls them out, gives them songs. Here's one of the songs that he gives them. He gives them this part of um, the Feast of Tabernacles was one of the festivals. It was about God's provision when they came out of Egypt. And he'd done this thing called the Lulav. Not the Lulav, the Lulav. And it was a festival where they had three branches of, of uh, part of the festival, they had three branch, branches of, of different trees. And he would tie them together. They still do it to this day in the, in, on the Feast of Tabernacles. He tied them together with a band. They'd hold the three branches and they'd have a piece of fruit in the other hand. And here's what the three pieces or the three branches were. One was from the palm tree, which is found in the valleys. One was part of the a branch from the myrtle tree, which is found up on the rocky hills. And the other was a willow branch, which was found in the barren places. We know we got the weeping willow, and it hold a piece of fruit. And God says, This is what I want you to do, Moses. Get them to the tie these together. And he'd lift them up before God in the desert. Who's in the desert? Who's ever experienced the wilderness with God? Yeah, he wants you to beautify that part of your life. And he gets there and, he, and they're waving them. And here's what the, the, the palm tree signifies. Lord, I thank you that you kept me in the valleys. The myrtle tree in the rockiest times of my life, Lord. I just want to praise you for keeping me all through the rocky times when I thought I was dead. And the willow, Lord, when I was barren in the place of no water. And I was weeping, you kept me in this place. And they'd hold a fruit in their hand. And they'd be doing this before God. Saying, God, thank you for getting us out of Egypt, for providing for us. And thank you, you've given us promise of a land that we'd be fruitful. And they were singing and waving this all the time. And then they'd get the branches and they'd start like doing this over themselves. Releasing all the blessing of God upon themselves. Imagine what a church would look like. Imagine what my life, your life would look like if we go in and go, Lord, imagine what, I can imagine the enemy, the devil. There is a devil. And he hates the church. He hates the ecclesia. And imagine him sitting there. What do I have to do when they're in the, the valley? I go to him, where's your God now? And they just lift up a branch. Lord, thank you that you never leave me, nor forsake me, because that's a promise. Imagine in the willow, the weeping places, when you've experienced healing from brokenness from our past, and the enemy says, how could you go before God with that, Lord? Thank you. Here's the willow branch. That's what it does. 
That's what he does. They go through the desert. Do you remember this? They come out of Egypt. I told you the song and dance. They come out the other side. And out the other side, they, remember they go to the, de- the Red Sea. And the enemy is coming. The, the chariots are coming to bring them back to Egypt. Pharaoh was like, what am I doing letting this go? This is my trafficking. These are my slaves. These are my housekeepers. These are my women that I have when I want. What am I doing letting them go? And they go all the way. He says, get them back. And they go up to this member to see. And Moses, what am I going to do? Lift up the, lift up the stick. Lift up the stick. Lift up something before God. Lift up your willow branch, your myrtle branch, your, your palm branch before God. And just start lifting something up to God and see what God will do. And a sea parted. And he went right through. And you know what they do when they get on the other side? They start singing and dancing. <laughs> Read to yourself. It's like, this is crazy, brilliant stuff. God loves musicals. They start singing. Do you know what? Miriam grabs a tambourine. And this is what it says, you read it, all the women, Miriam grabs a tambourine and all the women, all the women took their tambourines and start dancing and start shaking the tambourine. Now I don't know about you, but tambourine is not my favorite sound to my ear. It is a cruel instrument at times, right? And uh, But here's the thing, you have to ask yourself, where did they get that instrument? Because it, it was called a timbrel, which went into a tambourine. But the tambourine or the timbrel was not a Jewish musical instrument, it was an Egyptian so where did he get? And here's what linguistic people have found. Can you believe they can find these things? Because of things written on walls and on parchment and all that stuff. In Egypt, when the people of God were in Egypt, that um, when the men got out of, out, of, out, of, out of hand, they get beaten and whipped. But the women would have been slaves in households and they would have had a mistress over them and all types of people over them. But when they spoke, a timbre was like, like, like a tambourine on the end of a stick and two women talking. They weren't allowed to speak over a certain decimal. And if they did, the, the lady of the house would take the timbre on the long stick and go, Tush! meaning you've nothing to say. Your voice doesn't matter. They were 400 years in bondage. They hadn't got their own symbols. They hadn't got their own flag. They weren't allowed to speak their own language. They weren't even allowed to speak over it. As soon as they went up, shut up. You have nothing to say. You have no voice. It was a symbol of oppression. It was a symbol of you're nothing. And then they get brought out. And do you remember when they were going out? Because you have to ask, where did they get the timbrels? Do you remember the Bible tells us that when they're going out of Egypt, going out into the, the, what the Egyptians started to do, God broke Pharaoh down that much. He made a decree. Give them what they want on the way out. So they gave them linen. They gave them fine clothing. They gave them gold. They gave them, which the tabernacle in the desert was actually made out of. And can you imagine the women coming out and there's the Egyptian women that had them under bondage. She says, here's fine linen, here's lovely purple cloth. Oh, you want me earrings? And the lady says, I'll take the timbrel as well, please. Imagine all the women going out saying to the oppressors, I'll have the timbrel. And then God brings them out through the Red Sea over the other side. And they take the instrument of oppression and turn it into an instrument of praise to God. Now, so imagine Miriam picks up the timbre, right? And she starts shaking it like Beyonce or something. All the single ladies, all you can imagine. And all the ladies grab the timbre. Now listen, they reckon nearly 1.5 million to 2 million people came out of Egypt. Now say, let's say 100,000 women had a timbre, a tambourine. Imagine 100,000 tambourines going all at the 
same time. Can you imagine that they took the instrument of oppression and started making it into an instrument to God? That's what he does with the ecclesia. That's what their testimony is. That's what we sing about. The things that had us oppressed, beaten down, gave us no voice, said we were no good. Now that's their story. That once that was my life, but God changed me. And he gave me a voice. And this is the definition of greatness. The definition of greatness is someone finding their voice and in turn enabling other people to find their voice. The church is supposed to be great. It's supposed to be a glorious church, a beautiful church. And this is what they do, and they got on the other side. Now, you can imagine, can you imagine? 100,000 tambourines. And it wouldn't just stop there, by the way, would it? You'd have Johnny, the husband, or maybe Abraham, or Mike, or something, the husband going, oh, I haven't seen my wife this happy in ages. And they're all, and then the husband's like, Go on, Mary. Go on, Martha. And the kids are like, go on, man. Go on, mother, dance. Now listen to what the Bible says. That other nations heard about the people of God and their God. And they were terrified. And I'm convinced it was because of the tambourines. I'm convinced that they heard a sound coming from the ecclesia. They heard a song coming from the ecclesia to call their ones out of bondage into a place of worship unto God. And they were terrified and God wants a sound to be released through you. This part of the ecclesia in Cromwell, he wants, he wants to release a sound that even the enemies will be terrified. And that he wants to bring people in that are oppressed. And he turns them songs and that are songs of depression into a song of praise and worship. That's what you are. Paul says stuff like this. Say amen. Amen. Don't let them, don't let them tell you. Believe me, even the ecclesia and the religious aspect of church is not just like in, in uh, denominations that we could all name here. They happen in liberty. They happen everywhere that we try to put something on the people that doesn't belong on them. And we need to be people. I don't know about you. I don't feel I'm, I'm religious, but sometimes I am religious. And as soon as I go, when I do this, God will love me. I've just moved into religion. Or if I read more, fast more, pray more, I'm accepted by God. You've just moved out of being the ecclesia into some religious individual institution. I'm sick of that, are you? I'm sick of it. God is so much more for each one of us. He wants us to practice what it is to be the new life. He wants us to get those things that were once in our lives and turn them into a song. Because we're all singers. Believe me, we're all singers. You know, um, finishing that, in the universe, they, they, they say this. This is what the philosophers used to believe. That um, when, the, when, the, when the universe moved, the stars and all the different planets, they call it the musical, the musical universal. It was like they said that when, when all the universe moved, there was a song of praise to God, the maker. And they're right, because now, you know, now in modern age, they mic, they mic um, stars. And they, they, did you hear that song with the stars oscillating, stars spinning around, and the whale? Did you see that? How great is our God? They have stars. They didn't, didn't do anything with it. They didn't doctrine in any way. They have stars oscillating at whatever speed they go at. And they have whales. And, and they match the two of them together with a synth. And they put in the background, how great is our God. Do you know that song? How great is our... And it's like the stars and the whales are singing. It's like, look, look, look. They, so we know that you are true. But here's what they found in recent years. In your DNA is encoded in musical notation. That God didn't just put the sound out there. He put the sound into every person. 
And you know you can spit in the jar and for $27 send away to America and they'll do your DNA and your part American and part whatever. They'll also send you back your musical notation. I'm going to do it. I, I bet your mind is like Frank Sinatra or something. <laughs> you, could, you, could, you could give it to a musician and go, what note? They give you a note. They won't give you a song, like, but they give you a note and they, they, they'll be able to play it and, and say what you are. God has put it in us. You know why? Because song releases sound. It's not just song because I could say I'm not a good singer. God doesn't care about that. It's a sound he's put in you. And I could have got the thing back. It's okay. Because God wants to release you and release sound in a way that like, you know, you know um, that O, 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 you split the sea. In the yeah. Bible, there's a word at the tops of Psalms. You won't find it in modern translations, but in, in Bibles like King James and stuff like that, you'll see at the top of a psalm, David would give a song, a psalm and say to the musicians, sing that in this, in this, in this chorus, this tone. He'd say all that. There's one that call, is called the Hegion. And he'd, give, he'd give one to the, the musician and says, here, play that in the Hegion. What's the Hegion for crying out loud? The Hegion is a musical, um, a musical expression. It's a, it's a warbling of the vocal cords. When you read in the Bible, David says, Oh, oh, oh Lord my God. Or when he says, Oh Lord, how majestic is your name. Or when he goes, Oh Lord, where in the world are you? <laughs> and uh, it, it, he, would, he would say to him, Here, sing that. And when you see an O, it was like put in as um, the Hegion. And here's what the Hegion is. Oh Lord, it's that O. Oh, we were doing it earlier on. I could feel the presence of God when we were doing the oh, oh, oh. And, uh, you, and then we went into you split. It's, it, so here's, here's, here's where he got it from. O-R-E, but it's pronounced O in the Bible. When God said in the beginning, let there be light, he said, let there be O. But it's spelt in the Hebrew, O-R-E. So God said, let there be O. And there was O. And David brings that into his musical genius and creativity that is given by God and he sings that he calls it the Hegion so what he's doing is when he's saying when he's up in the high place and he's going oh Lord my God how majestic is your name he's saying Lord would you send your light of revelation into my life so I can know you more or when he's saying oh Lord I'm in bits will you help me he's saying will you send your light into the deepest darkest pit that my life is in right now and bring your light so sometimes have you been there you don't know what to pray. To pray it out. Sometimes you just have to get your heggy on now. Because God is able to interpret the cries and sounds of your heart. Do you know why he put it there? So could we stand? I just want to declare over you that you are the ecclesia of God. The called out ones. And if you haven't joined the family, what do you do? You just ask Jesus to be your saviour. That you ask him to forgive you and cleanse you and give you the new life that he's promised. To fill you with his life and his love, his Holy Spirit. To activate the destiny of God that was already yours from the beginning, even before the foundation of the earth, the Bible said. And to say all that in one way is like, Jesus, I want you. I need you. And he can interpret all the rest. No matter what we've done, where we've been, what we've, what we've not done, He can interpret it all that and pour out His forgiveness and grace and bring you into His family, His ecclesia, out, called out of all that stuff into a whole new life.
I want to declare over that you are the called out ones of God who he loves passionately he will chase us down with his marvelous love break every mountain every lie every wall just to get to you just to get his love and freedom to us that you are the powerful ones you are the God filled ones you are the light bearers you are life givers and I declare over you this day that you have all that you need in Christ Jesus everything that you need is given to the ecclesia and I pray today Father Jesus will you release the keys of the kingdom, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever you need, is a key to open that lock. Would you just take it in your hand by faith and say, Lord, I'm taking that one. Show me the way to open that lock. And I'm releasing you hope center. That God will give you a distinct sound in this city that when you even home, hope is released. Hope in the Bible is not like a 50-50 chance it might happen. Hope in the Bible is because God is good, I know good things are coming my way. Lord, release your song. In us as individuals, you may have to lift up your hand. You may have to go, Lord, I was oppressed, but this is uh, my little tambourine letting on one. And I'm lifting it up saying, thank you for freeing me. I'm lifting up my myrtle branch, my, 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 my palm branch, my, my willow branch, and saying, Lord, thank you for keeping me. Even when hell came against me, Lord, I'm still here. I'm still here to wave the branch and say, Lord, you're good, you're kind, you're generous. Father, you've split the sea, you brought me to your side, and now it's my turn to dance.